Pastor Xavier Reese explains broken fellowship turned renewed relationship. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I write to you that you do not practice sin, but if you fall, if you stumble, you have an advocate for defense. Jesus Christ is righteous, a lawyer that can get you off. God does not leave his people. His people leave him. They forsake him. God does not leave us. We forsake God. We do it. Get rid of sin. We're back in fellowship. Very simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Covert actions and secrets may be okay for the hero in a spy movie, but in real life, actions done in secret can do a lot more harm than good. And today, as we continue our Simple Truth study series in the book of Joshua, Pastor Xavier brings to light the consequences that accompany those sins that we try to hide. Let's listen. Joshua chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at verse 1 through 26, the entire chapter. You can't break it up. The message is entitled, The Sin of Achan. Sin to man is a matter of secrecy. And when um, it is public, the attempt is always to justify it, if not altogether to deny it. But with God, it is clear and unmistakable. Uh, like the police who had um, no trouble at all tracking down this burglar who uh, ransacked the house. And the burglar came in an automobile and he backed up his car before he left, leaving in the snowbank the imprint of his license plate. <laughs> That's how sin is with God. Secret to us, but he sees it all. Such was the sin of Achan. Though it was hidden from all, God saw it clearly. And it's marked by three things. The sin of Achan. First, the defeat of Israel at Ai, verse 1 through 5. Secondly, verse 6 through 15, the despair and divine rebuke of Joshua. And then thirdly, verse 16 through 26, the drastic measures of executing Achan. Let me read the first section here. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is uh, beside Beth Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to them, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two, 3,000 men go up to attack Ai. Do not worry all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as uh, Shabarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted, and they became like water. The defeat of Ai here in verse 1 through 5. Notice first of all in verse 1, you have the folly of Israel through Achan. The sin of Achan involved the entire nation of Israel by a trespass. Mark that well. God says this. 
They were connected to him and he was connected to them. The word but marks the sharp contrast between the last verse of the closing chapter and the beginning of this chapter. Though God had been and was with Joshua as he had been with Moses, now the favor of God had been interrupted. Why? Sin. Never forget that. Sin interrupts God's favor for your life and mine. The charge against Achan, notice in verse 1, was that he took the accursed thing. They were told not to partake of it. They were warned in chapter 6, verse 18. They would become accursed. The warning was sufficient, clearly communicated. All belonged to the Lord. This first city was the first fruits to the Lord. After that, all the other cities would be measured out. This one was the Lord's. The anger of the Lord's burned against the children of Israel. Now you understand when he said, you for us are adversary. No, I'm not for them, I'm not for you. But I'm for you if you're for me. That's the bottom line. Look at verse 2 through 5. The commission of the spies to Ai by Joshua. In verse 2, Joshua sent the men from Jericho to spy out Ai. It's besides Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel. They've crossed over the Jordan. They're making their way up. Jericho's the first one. Uh, Ai means ruins. It's about 50 miles from Jericho. At an elevation, Jericho, about 800 uh, feet below sea level. They're ascending up towards Ai, which is about 2,500 feet above sea level. Quite a climb. Now notice in verse 3, the spies uh, returned from their, with their reconnaissance report, and they told Joshua not to bother the people. The people in the are a few. Don't worry about it, Josh. We're okay. Two, three thousand should be enough to attack it. It's estimated the city must have had about 12,000 occupants uh, and inhabitants, so probably about 3,000 fighting men. So they figured that was about enough to take care of them. See, the men had become presumptuous, uh, overconfident in themselves by not seeking the Lord. And that's easy to do. All of a sudden, God gives us some victories. We kind of get a couple of things going, and oh, wow, did it. So we don't bother. Well, you know, this is like the last time, so we don't have to check with God. We've got it wired. Did you ever notice that Jesus never healed anybody the same two times? <laughs> God wants to be in control. Look at verse 4. The outcome was that about 3,000 men went up, but they fled before the men of Ai. The details are given to us uh, in verse 5, and they were distressing. The men of Ai struck down about 36 men. They chased them from the gate of the city down to the city of Shabarim, and they killed them on the descent. So, I mean, they, they, it's a pretty steep climb also. Now their adrenaline is flowing. They're going down. They have to suck eggs going up. Now they're just fleeing for their life, and 36 them get wiped out. By the way, that's the only 36 that are ever wiped out and possessing the land. <laughs> they never lost one person in battle. Besides this, when you don't check with God, you lose the battle. I lose the battle. Notice the result was that their hearts melted. They became like water. The same word that Rahab gave in chapter 2, verse 11. The people of the land's heart melted. In other words, it means dissolved, wasted away. Now, it's the Israelites' hearts. Why? Because they have become dedicated for destruction. They've took this cursed thing. God warned them. Chapter 6, verse 18. Sin is rebellion against God, as you know. Rebellion against to what we know we should obey, but we don't. And it never affects just one person, like Achan. It affects many. 
a husband or a wife may decide, well, I think I'll just have a little fling and what the world calls an affair. The Bible calls it adultery. Um, thinking that, you know, we've got everything wired, nobody knows, we'll just kiss and say goodbye, as the worldly song says. But it's not that clean cut ever, is it? When you're found out, or you reveal your unfaithfulness, whichever way it happens, the um, repercussions are devastating, first to your wife or your husband, then the other wife and husband, then the children, then the families and the friend, the church you go to. Family's devastated. And that's just one sin that I'm looking on. It could be many other things. Moses said in Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at, sooner or later it'll happen. There's no exception. Remember the young man in 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5? He was sleeping with a stepmother. And Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, listen, what are you guys doing? You guys are embracing this guy like if he's some super spiritual guy. As if I was present already, though I'm not. Get him out of there. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved. So the turning him over to Satan is not for damnation, but hopefully he ceases there, repents, and comes back and restored. But until then, he's out if there's no repentance. Now today, this is unheard of in the church, discipline like that. We still practice discipline. People are afraid of getting sued. What are we going to do about it? We have to obey God. Hmm. Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit, to God. The result was God struck him dead. But that's not the focus. The thing is the results. Listen to the results in Acts 5, 13 through 14. It says... None of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. When a church lives for God and practices church discipline, not for mere castigation, but for restoration and to keep the body pure, people will take notice and God will add to the church. When church leaders turn their back on sin and discipline, that church will be gone. It will be good for nothing. Often when God allows us to have great victories, we become very self-confident and we think that um, uh, we no longer have to seek God about it. We've been rocking long enough. We've had enough experience. And we don't longer seek Him, so we make our own decisions. Um, we may think that we no longer have to watch out for the Areas of the flesh that used to trouble us because God done such an incredible transformation in our life that now we put our guard down and so we end up falling. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Or we think ourselves more highly than we ought to think based on the grace of God that has been given to us in gifts or anointing or position and we just have a false perception about ourselves as Romans 12, 3 says, Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 19, 13. He says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Presumptuousness. Be careful of the victories God gives you. Be careful of, of the things he does for you. That you don't start just presuming upon them, thinking they're automatic, or that you no longer need to abide or to depend on him, or to check in with him. It's a very dangerous thing. 
This was the reasons for the defeat of Israel at Ai. Notice, secondly, we have the despair and divine rebuke of Joshua. Verse 6 through 9, you have the desperation of Joshua over the defeat at Ai. But let me read this section, verse 6 down to 15. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth to the earth with his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear, hear and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? For the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken, even taken, some of the accursed thing, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you any more, unless... You destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourself for tomorrow, because thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before the enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be the tribe which the Lord shall uh, come according to their families. And the families that the Lord takes shall come by the household, and the household the Lord shall take shall come by a man. And then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. The despair and divine rebuke of Joshua. Notice the first here, verse 6 through 9, the desperation of Joshua over the defeat at Ai. In verse 6, you have the despair of Joshua. Joshua rose, tore his clothes, a sign of mourning and grief and bereavement, as you know, in the Old Testament. Joshua has been around for 40 years with Moses. He should have known something was wrong with the camp, not with God. I'm amazed at the commentators. They try to make Joshua a man of faith here. Joshua flunks, chapter 7. Joshua is accusing God. Let's not miss this. Joshua knew that sin is the only thing that causes God to remove his favor. Forty years he knew that. What has changed? Nothing. He's a leader. Leaders are also able to make mistakes. But when they make mistakes, it affects people more. Notice Joshua fell to the earth, verse 6 there, on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening to hear from God. But the time to seek God was a bit late, wasn't it? He should have sought the Lord before they went to Ai, right? Lord, do you want me to go up? David said that all the time. Lord, do you want me to go up? No, no, don't go up. Yeah, yeah, go up. Each time you have to seek God, Lord, do you want me to go here? Do you want me to go there? Lord, should I buy this? Should I not do that? Every time. The time should have been before the attack to Ai. Notice Joshua and the elders also put dust on their heads here. Their mourning and grief again for the defeat, the death of the 36 men, being humiliated, being discouraged. 
And their mourning and grief should have been over the fact, really, that God had removed himself from them. We grieve over the wrong things. We grieve because it affected us. I lost this opportunity. I didn't get the benefit. We should grieve because God has removed himself from us. This was judgment. There's only one answer to judgment. He knew it. Sin. This was not brain surgery. Two and two is always four. Sin always means judgment. Lack of fellowship. Look at verse 7. The direct accusation of God by Joshua. This is amazing. Joshua blames God for the failure of Ai. Listen. Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? <laughs> Who's this speaking? Joshua. He's questioning God. Why have you brought the people over the Jordan at all? And then decisively, he holds God responsible for the death of the men. Notice Joshua had failed to remember the promise of God, declaring that he wished they would have compromised and been satisfied to be on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, that we had been content to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. Israel said the same thing after they crossed the Red Sea in Exodus 16.3. Oh, that we would have been back there in Egypt. The people at Kadesh Barnea, when the 12 tribes came back and the spies came back and 10 of them were the bad report, they said the same thing in Numbers 14, 1 through 4. Nothing has changed now except it's coming from the leader. Hmm. Listen, defeats cause us to doubt and double guess our right decisions for God and what we have heard from God. Because we think that every time we make a godly decision, we're going to get the benefit. Now, in this case, it was bad, but that's our problem. We start double-guessing. Oh, we would have said, no, 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 I told you to come across. I brought you across. Why, why are you backpedaling? Look at verse 8. The discouragement of jo Joshua. Joshua was more concerned about how to explain the disheartened condition of Israel before their enemies, rather than to find out from God why it happened. He should be on his face saying, Lord, what happened? What's going on? He's more concerned about, how am I going to explain all this thing? After all, I am the leader. <laughs> God, you're making me look bad. Look at verse 9. The distorted view of God's honor by Joshua is given to us. Joshua informs God that now the Canaanites, all the inhabitants of the land, are going to hear what happened, surround them, and kill them. Cut off our name from the earth. Oh, our name. And Joshua then kind of reprimands God by saying, what will you do for your great name? <laughs> have you ever talked to God like that? Sure you have. That's why it's recorded here. Because we're just like Joshua. As if to say, and allow me this liberty, Joshua speaking, I'm attempting to be the best field general I can be, Yahweh, but you aren't making things easy for me. I'm trying to uphold your name and honor, but what are you going to do now since you've got us into this mess? He is not looking good. 
Look at verse 10 through 15. We have the divine rebuke of Joshua for his complaint about the defeat at Ai. Verse 10 through 13, you have the indignation of God, and rightly so. Listen to him well. The Lord reproves Joshua in verse 10. The Lord says to Joshua, get up. You say, well, I don't think God would say it that way. Are you a parent? Would you say it to your kid? Of course. And then I know he said that. that. Why? Because you know what he's saying is dumb. It's out of line. His presence before God was an affront to God. He had accused God rather than to seek the reason for the defeat. There was a time to pray and a time to move, similar to Moses before the Red Sea in Exodus 14, 15. Listen to what God said to him. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. There's a time to pray, Joshua. It's the wrong time. And what you're praying about is wrong. You need to move and find the sin. And so the Lord says, why do you lie thus on your face? He's rejecting his complaint and he's rejecting his accusations. Very, very clear. The nation had sinned. Joshua should have been looking for the sin in the people instead of trying to find fault with God. Israel had sinned. And he describes it here, missed the mark, sinned. What God had required of them, the willful disobedience. Look at the indication of their sin. It's described very detailed in verse 11. They had taken some of the accursed thing, things that were devoted to God, was not theirs. Then they had stolen them from Yahweh. They were his. Then they had deceived themselves and the people. They thought they were okay. The problem was with God. And then they had placed these things among their own stuff. Now certainly he's talking about Achan and his family. But he looks at the nation completely. It's in detail here. Notice in verse 12 the implications of their sin. This was the very reason for the children of Israel that they could not stand before their enemies. God says at the beginning of verse 12. This is why. Don't look to everything else. This is it. It's sin. Sin is the only thing that will hinder my progress and my relationship with God. Nothing else. Difficult times will not hinder my relationship. Tragedies will not hinder my relationship with God. Sin is the only thing that will hinder my relationship with God. Let's get that straight. This was the reason why Israel turned their backs on their enemies. The reason being, they had become doomed to destruction, like the warning told them. Now God was against them. They took the accursed thing. Now they were cursed. This would be the reason why Yahweh would not be with them, listen, any more. God does not leave his people. His people leave him. They forsake him. God does not leave us. We forsake God. Read it from Genesis to Revelation. We do it. This removal of his presence had only one remedy. Don't miss it in verse 12. Unless they destroyed the accursed from among them. There's the remedy. Get rid of sin. We're back in fellowship. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I write to you that you do not practice sin, but if you fall, if you stumble, you have an advocate for defense. Jesus Christ is righteous, a lawyer that can get you off. Very simple. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with some important simple truths about forgiveness. And this message can be heard again anytime by clicking on the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Just browse for today's date. You could also request a copy of today's thought-provoking study from the book of Joshua titled, The Sin of Achan. As always, it's available on CD for just $4. And this is one message you'll want to share with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, the title to ask for once again is, The Sin of Achan. Or simply mention today's date with your request. And here's where to write. Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Well, what's the harm of a little sin here and there? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for more simple truths from the book of Joshua. That's next time. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.